Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Last hour, I played the cloud play it again. This uh, Jerry Nadler, they're debating. I think it was the Rains Act. They're trying to, you know, restrict uh, federal government intrusion and uh, power grabs by the bureaucracy and such. They were debating. Anyway, they were debating this, this proposed legislation, and Nadler gets up there and starts defending vaccine mandates, mask mandates. Right and and using the same language. In fact, when uh, so I, I did a live stream last night, and uh, somebody asked in the comments, they were like, "Is that when? When is this clip from? Is that from like 2020?" Somebody was asking how old this clip was. No, the this was from yesterday. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person, and the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic, like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that because there was no vaccination available for two-year-olds. He said the only way to protect them against COVID was to have them wear masks. Which, okay, let me just jump ahead real quick on the mask. I'm going to get back to Kevin Kiley. Paul Alexander, writing in March of 2021 at the American Institute for Economic Research, AEIR, okay, March of 21, so over two years ago, right, a year into the pandemic, or I guess that would have been the the, the 53rd week to flatten the curve, something like that. Anyway, given the knowledge that we have. It is more perplexing as to why our governments at the behest of their public health advisors have accepted as a fait accompli what we refer to as a great deception or lie, convincing us of inevitable and severe consequences if anyone is infected with SARS-CoV-2. Yes, the public was lied to and deceived from day one by governments and their medical advisors. And the media medical cabal with its incessant messaging that we were all at equal risk of severe illness or death if infected, young and old. This was one of my biggest frustrations with North Carolina media people that got uh, on the conference calls with Mandy Cohen and uh, my, my good friend Ray Cooper. Right When they were allowed to get into the conference calls to ask the questions of the governor and his health secretary. There was never any kind of uh, questioning about risk assessment. Everybody's got a different risk assessment. It has to do with your, you know, your medical history, your comorbidities, your lifestyle, how you eat. Do you drink? Do you smoke? Are you morbidly obese? Are you not? Are you healthy? Right? They're all. How old are you? That's a huge one. But they treated everybody as if we were all sick. They subverted science. This caused irrational fear and hysteria, and it has held on. 
This I can't remember. This is two years ago. This guy's writing this. This type of deception and the resulting unfounded fear has been driven by the media despite a thousandfold difference in risk between old and young. We suggest that this has always been known, and yet this disinformation and related falsehoods were spread seemingly both willfully and knowingly by our elected leaders and the media. Such conflation of the risks between the young and the elderly with comorbidities is wrong-headed and it creates unnecessary fear for all. It's well known that there's a distinct, stratified risk strongly associated with increasing age and comorbidities. Additionally, data suggests now, even though it's still early on, but it's, it suggests that kids not only have an extremely low risk of catching COVID, but also that they naturally have the capability of evading the SARS-CoV-2 virus due to the lack of the ACE2 receptors in their nostrils. It escapes us why this deceit continues to be served to the public and has not been stopped forthwith. You have people that still believe it. Yeah, there's a message here, um, an email from Tim. Pete, I was at a soccer game last week. I saw a woman standing on the sideline all by herself wearing a mask. Probably drove home with it, too. (laughs) Yeah. I Like, that's just... There came a point where it became a psychological thing. You know, it, it became a it became a security blanket, like almost literally a security blanket that you would just wrap over your face. Email uh, from Gary, who says, uh, Pete, during the mandatory wearing of the masks, I was surprised how many wearers touched their masks with their hands. This included medical professionals. Everyone would pull down their mask with thumb and forefinger to speak or, you know, whatever. And then they would replace the mask with thumb and forefinger. This was my observation over several months. If the mask trapped virus particles, they would now be on the wearer's hands. I didn't observe a single person cleanse their hands after touching the mask. I used both hands to pull down my mask, never touching the filtering surface. My observation was over a period of several months. I got one for you, Gary, along those lines. I noticed that very same phenomenon. So when the restaurants were finally permitted to open back up by King Ray, um, we went to one we had, we were moving and uh, we had uh, our uh, in-laws come. And so anyway, we went, we, we went to a a restaurant and it's one of these places um, where it's like, um, you know, it's like Subway. It's, it's not Subway, but it's like Subway kind of operation where you go in and you kind of build your thing. It's like a Chipotle kind of a, a operation. I don't remember the name of the place. But you walk through the line and they add stuff onto your 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 meal, right? So the first guy that we go to, and his mask keeps falling off his face, and he keeps moving it back up. And he's been doing this, obviously, for the entire shift at a minimum. And so the the mask that he is wearing that's supposedly keeping everybody safe from the COVID, right? This guy has a mask on and the whole front of it is covered in grease. Like it's discolored from the grease because 
he's the first guy you see in the line, and you have to tell him what you're what you're ordering. And then he chooses based on what you're ordering. Does does he take like the tortilla wrap, or do you get a shell, or do you get like a salad or whatever? So he's he has to touch like one item of food. That's it, one or two, whatever. He's like just what you know. What do you get in a bowl or a wrap or whatever? But when he touches it with oh, he's wearing gloves too. Of course, I mean the guy's safe, obviously, right? He's got all the safety measures going. So he's got the gloves on. He's got the hairnet. He's got the face mask. And the face mask is almost translucent from the grease because he touches the food and then he's constantly pushing his mask back up onto his face. And then, of course, he's transferring all of the germs from the mask that, like you say, are getting trapped in the mask. He's transferring all of that onto his hands and now onto the food. I, 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 am, I, I am amazed at the, the profligation of dumbassery in our society. I, all right. Um, I want to get back to Kevin Kiley. Kevin Kiley is a congressman. And you call him K- Congressman Kevin Kiley. It's, you got the alliteration thing going there, too. Um, but it's not three Ks. He's not a Klansman. He's got two Ks. I don't know his middle name. I don't know his middle name. I would, that would be a terrible thing to do to somebody, though, right? Give them a, a middle name. Give them initials, KKK. That would be terrible. Why would you do that to somebody? Sorry, this is where my mind goes. So the, he's, he's questioning the Health and Human Services Secretary, Javier Becerra, and he asks a very simple question. Like, we're trying to do a ledger account here. So did the masks, did masking two-year-olds save any lives? That was the question, very simple. And Becerra cannot answer the question. Correction. Will not answer the question. I suspect he can. I suspect he can. All right, now you've heard me talk about him. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I got emails. uh, I got some uh, tweets. Here's a Pete tweet. Pete, I worked in a lab. I work in a lab, rather, and I do enough woodworking and sandblasting to know the masks, especially homemade cloth ones, were never going to be effective. I felt pretty alone. Shouting into the wind when talking to friends and family who trusted Mandy Cohen and Fauci, the science Fauci. Uh, Now everyone has retconned their previous beliefs and like to share with me the new info that they've discovered on how ineffective the masks were. Being skeptical of GovCo is a lonely place. Well, that's why I said was the joke. um, The best part about being a conspiracy theorist is is not getting myocarditis. Right. That's the. <laughs> I watched most of the committee hearing on the pistol brace legislation. Jerry Nadler doesn't know anything about anything that isn't everybody must submit to GovCo because we know better than you. He would contradict himself in back to back sentences, and then when he was called out on it, he couldn't even understand the discrepancies. What he... <laughs> Thanks, Russ. Uh, 
Ray says, it is nostalgic listening to you talk about COVID. Takes me back to the early days of the podcast. Mm. I miss Mandy and her charts and graphs. And who could forget all that science and data? Ah, oh, yes, the incantations of the clergy. COVID flushed all the authoritarians out from their hiding places, and we got to see who people really were. Mask harder! Mandate harder! If the cases went up, we were scolded like the peasants that they think we are. Good times. Good times. Yeah, that's why I said that she she infantilized us. Treated is the most annoying thing about her. Sitting there watching these things and she's treating us like children. So is Cooper. They talk to us like we're children. And and then when you ask pointed questions, serious adult questions, you get the three W's. That's why we're just following the science and the data. Chris, welcome to the program. Hello, Chris. Hello, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, well, I just wanted to reflect back on the uh, end of uh, 2020, beginning of 2021, when the vaccines were being doled out the first first round. Yeah. I was my mother's primary caregiver. She was 86 at the time. I uh, made sure she got her shot first round. And uh, I worked at a restaurant, and said so I was in Group C, I think it was called, and I was supposed to be able to get my shot in February. I especially wanted to get that shot because I'm taking care of my 86-year-old mother. And uh, then all of a sudden, Governor Cooper, your friend. My friend Ray. And Mandy Mandy, uh, said, no, Group C's got to wait because who's going to go in front of you or the school teachers? The heroes, right. school was not in session. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There were no classes, but I had to wait another month. It might have been two months before I could get my shot to the school teachers. Thanks to Randy Weingarten and Governor Cooper mm-hmm. can get theirs. And I was I'm angry just thinking about that right now. Well, and remember, uh, I, I mean, about hypocrisy. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. no. Remember, it was uh, the whole play there was that they didn't. The unions did not want the schools to reopen at all. They and so oh, yeah. they, they so they they used it as a stall tactic. They were like, oh well, we should get them first. We should get them first because you know then we can go back to school and. and I guess they thought that they wouldn't get bumped up to the head of the line, and then they did, and then it was like, oh, but, well, maybe we shouldn't, uh, We maybe we still shouldn't come back, even though we got to skip everybody in line to get the, the shots, now maybe we still don't want to go back. Yeah. Well, I just think I just think people should remember that, especially when thinking about Mandy Cohen uh, to replace whoever she's replacing in D.C. Yeah. You know, she, she put school teachers ahead of us who needed it, and uh, when school teachers were not working. Anyway, there yeah. you go. I appreciate uh, your time, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate the call, Chris. Thanks so much. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. That's right. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Governor. I'm grateful for your commitment to ensuring our state moves forward responsibly based on science and data. Your leadership and the collective efforts of North Carolinians have prepared us to move into phase two. Yay! Phases. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. Appreciate your leadership. And uh, we're grateful that you have put these numbers together. And it's something that uh, the people of North Carolina can see for themselves. <laughs> that quote always kills me. It always kills me, that quote. I don't know why. But that's why I pulled it. That's why I stuck it in the song here. Because, like, that... You're thanking her for putting together some data? 
What, what is the point of the incantations? You keep saying science and data. And like, of course you should be putting some numbers together and presenting them to us. You've deprived us of liberty. You should at least have to explain yourself with some figures, right? Thanking her. Oh, thank you very much for creating this, these numbers and bringing them here to show the state from their from their jail cell homes. <laughs> I don't know why that one kills me all the time. But, man, they, all of those, I did the whole montage. It's all these thank you, thank you. Because I noticed like they, they just kept thanking each other every single press conference. So I just started taking the sound bites out of each press conference. And then I made the song. It was a chart topper. I'll tell you what. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? We're now going through this uh, episode where people are pretending that the stuff that was done during the pandemic was all completely voluntary. That that there weren't any of these mandates and orders and and even if there were, then they were totally fine, by the way, and they worked. But don't ask us to prove that they worked in any way, shape, or form. So here's the, uh, here's the full exchange um, between Congressman Kevin Kiley and Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra. And it's, it's a very simple question that Congressman Kiley starts off with. Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Um, do what now? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Making sure people wore masks when it was appropriate was essential to make sure that we were able to get out of this pandemic. Sure, but that wasn't my question. Could you answer the question that I asked? Which is? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save and, lives? And who did the forcing? Well, this, your department, or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, so can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We, we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. What we did was provide guidance on what would Mr. be Mr. Secretary, did Head Start have a mask mandate? We, we provide a mask mandate, a requirement for jurisdictions that wish to receive money to provide particular so services. So Head Start did have a mask mandate for kids, yes? We, we had a mask mandate for uh, jurisdiction, I'm excuse me, for agencies that wish to get federal dollars. So that's a yes. So services. can you point to any benefit, yes to any public question. health benefit? No, that is, that is a yes, right? They ha- if you want the money, you have to have a mask policy. And he's claiming that they're not forcing anybody to do that. These, these agencies that got hooked onto the federal uh, faucet, they already were, they were already dependent. Oh, sorry, now we're, you know, we're going to change the rules on you, and you got to do this thing. And if you don't do that thing, then you don't get all the money that you are dependent on. You're free to go out of business, but we don't want to force you to do anything. This is, like, this is, this is insufferable. 
that policy, whether it was recommended or enforced or forced, of requiring young children to wear masks. Did families benefit from the policy of using all protection, all precautions to avoid? Uh, no, I'm not asking you to COVID? rephrase yes. my question as some abstract question that you'd rather answer. I'm asking that you, as the person who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, right now, can you point to any evidence that there was a public health benefit to forcing young children to wear masks? Well, the fact that uh, today we are not losing lives the way we lost them when we first got into this pandemic. And you think that's because we forced two year olds to wear masks? That's your interpretation. What I'm saying to you is that using good policies that give us the precautions to keep uh, our families from contracting COVID are helping save lives. I want to lives. quote to you from an article from NPR in January of 2022. It says, the United States is an outlier in recommending masks from the age of two years old. The World Health Organization does not recommend masks for children under age five, while the European equivalent of the CDC doesn't recommend them for children under age 12. In retrospect, was it a mistake for the United States to defy the international norm on child masking? The U.S. has been working closely with our international partners, and we have done more than any other country to try to help But that's not what our, I asked you. I country, asked you, was it a mistake countries. to defy the international norm on the issue of child masking? We continue to use all the best practices when it comes to making sure people take the precautions. Is there a reason you're not answering my question, Mr. Secretary? I'm, I'm answering the question the best, the best I can because you keep phrasing questions that are already geared to get a particular answer. That's amazing, is it not? I, I mean, hat tip on the deflective powers of Javier Becerra. I mean, my goodness, I haven't, I, I mean, I have not been in awe of hackery in a while. I'm a little jaded, I think, maybe a little cynical too. But uh, that, I mean, that is truly a display of hackery, right? I mean, the spinning that he does to not answer the question, to play dumb, what, what, do what now? What, oh, what was the question again? And then, oh, no, no, we you know, take all of these uh, strategies together to minimize and blah, blah, blah. They're very straightforward questions. And like I said, if he could have answered yes, masking two-year-olds saved lives. If he could have answered yes, he would have. Why wouldn't he have? It would show that they made the right decisions, Right. So obviously he would have said, absolutely, it saved lives. But the fact that he can't and he dances like this means he cannot, and he knows he cannot. So he dances, and he is very good at it, apparently. And then, of course, they didn't force anybody to do the mask mandate. Say they run the Head Start program, but if you want the money, then you're going to have to adopt the mask mandate. And by the way, uh, news, even New Zealand, who was like, th- like the most hardcore, locking down, lockdowniest lockdowners that they're ever locked down, they didn't even mask their kids. No one forced the masking of two year olds and uh, two year olds in Head Start programs. Beige Wellborn over at HotAir.com. Yes, yeah, uh, oh yeah, sure. Nobody forced them, but your kid couldn't attend the program. If they weren't masked, see how that works? According to DHHS Secretary Javier Becerra, his science and data said that there was a price to pay for attendance, even if the real science, which was being actively suppressed, was proving there was no rational need to mask kids. We knew this from the very beginning, from the very beginning. 
Now, you may be thinking to yourself, that Kevin Kiley guy, he's okay. All right. I Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but there may be a good excuse for this, but he was apparently one of the guys that voted against censuring Adam Schiff for brains. But there may be Thomas Massey also voted against it. So I think there was... I think there's a way to get to censure if they if they make a if they make one change. I'll explain that in a second. A uh, couple of emails here. Scott says, "I do not understand how or why people are still wearing masks, especially at the grocery store. The people who do are either paranoid germaphobes or mentally unstable. I'm trying not to be cruel or insensitive." Besides people fighting cancer, why are we dealing with this stupidity? Well, that's that is something to consider. That the people that are wearing the masks are wearing it because they may be sick of with something else, right? They may be battling a cold or something. Um, they might be ugly. That's that's true. There was a study on that. I'm so look. I don't make up these studies. Okay, like there was a study. I read it on the internet, so you know it's true. That, yeah, that there were there were studies done. There was a study done recently, and they released it, and they were like, oh, uh, people who are generally, uh, you know, when, if you were to describe attractive versus unattractive, people who are unattractive generally uh, were more prone to continue to wear the masks than attractive people. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's, it, th- there's probably some germophobia thing going on there, too. Um, hey, look, you know, and some days you don't put your makeup on and, you know, just going to put the mask on or you want to go rob a bank, right? You want to go criming, whatever. So first up, we're going to bring, yeah, yeah, here we go. CNN, going to go to the CNN story. They got three reporters on this story. Three reporters put together this story. A Republican led effort to censure Democratic representative Adam Schiff has failed in a key house vote. The House voted Wednesday on a motion to table or kill the resolution, a motion put forward by House Democrats. Okay, so Democrats killed the bill. Anytime in a debate, you're like, uh, a motion uh, to table the bill, and then if it passes, then uh, the motion lies on the table. The bill lies on the table. That's why they call it tabling. Anyway, so it's dead. Okay? Enough Republicans, though, crossed the aisle in support for the effort to succeed in blocking the censure. The vote was 225 to 196, with 20 Republicans voting with Democrats to table the resolution. This was sponsored by GOP Representative Anna Paulina Luna of Florida. Broadly criticizes Schiff with a focus on his role in investigations of the former president. The freshman Republican said after the failed attempt that she would try again next week and would revise her measure to attract more GOP support. Good. Good. Schiff told CNN's Wolf Blitzer on his program, he is not deterred by the effort. He then began to lie. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't say that. Um, But, I mean, it's Schiff, so it is to be assumed. Okay. Quote, they can introduce all the resolutions they want. It could be 16 million or 160 million. I'm not going to stop defending our democracy. What is he talking about? 16 million or 160? That's a lot of resolutions. 16 million resolutions? Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That was the financial penalty that was in the bill. Yeah, that's the problem. That was the problem. 
the legis- the legislation text said that if that if an ethics committee investigation determined that Schiff quote lied, made representations, and abused sensitive information, then he would be fined sixteen million dollars. Okay, that's a poison pill in a like that really sixteen million dollars really. I, like I don't know how wealthy Schiff is, but it doesn't matter. That's 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 ridiculous, and that's why Thomas Massey voted against it. He said Schiff acted unethically, but if a resolution to fine him sixteen million dollars comes to the floor, I'm going to vote to table it. In fact, I'm still litigating a federal lawsuit against Nancy Pelosi over a salary reduction that she imposed on me for my refusal to wear a mask. So Massey's not on board with it because of the fine. He's like, I'm fighting a lawsuit on. Kind of similar grounds here. Adam Schiff is a liar, a congenital liar. And I, I just like saying the word congenital in front of liar because it just it makes it sound dirty. Anyway, he is a terrible, terrible liar. And he abused his position as the chairman of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. He would make these wild claims um, that... You know, he had all this evidence and the walls are closing in. And if you could only see what I saw and all this. And then, of course, we find out through his own testimony when they put him under oath. Then he says uh, he acknowledges, oh, there's there's no there there. We don't have this evidence. And then the Durham report comes out and exposes all of this as just lies. So that's that was what he did. And he he should be censured. McCarthy was right in kicking him off of this committee. He abused his position. Kick him off. You, you don't have a right to serve as a ranking member on a committee. They're, they're, you don't have that right, especially after you've abused it. But here's something that the three reporters at CNN did not mention. Yes, 20 Republicans joined Democrats to kill this censure. There were two other Republicans who voted present, which is, that's so you, that's so you don't have to weigh in one way or the other. But five Democrats also voted present. Huh. Wonder why. What's up with that? New York Times reports that. They also go on to say that um, the measure accused Schiff of willfully lying for political gain was highly partisan. It raised complicated, although it was highly partisan, it raised complicated questions about accountability and revenge. Schiff's claims that there was, quote, ample evidence that Mr. Trump colluded with Russia were undermined by the conclusions of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who wrote in his report that his investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Republicans have wielded that determination to accuse Mr. Schiff of lying. Right. So, again, it's like. Again, when the when the scandal is about a Republican, the story is the scandal. When the scandal is about a Democrat, the story is about the Republican reaction to that scandal. And that's the framing that you get here with The New York Times. But the important point here, I think, is that they're at least mentioning that Schiff promoted falsehoods. I mean, they, they couch it with that last sentence that Republicans are using it against him. You're damn straight they should use it against him. He's a liar. A congenital liar. <laughs> anyway, like at least the New York Times puts it in there. And I would point out, it only took a single reporter for that New York Times story. CNN had three people on their story, and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't fit it in.